Welcome to the Shook But Not Shaken podcast, coming to you from Highland College Ministry in Waco, Texas. My name is Trey Etter. And I'm Drew Humphrey, and we're so glad you could join us today again on this podcast. We want to remind you that if you like this podcast, we want you to keep up with us. So be sure to hit the subscribe button so that every time we upload a new podcast, that can be delivered right to your podcast feed. Uh, Hopefully every week as we're uploading new podcasts, you can be keeping up with us. So Trey is here with us today. Trey, why don't you tell the people who are listening uh, who you are real quick in case maybe some of them don't know you? Yeah, sure. So again, my name is Trey Etter, and I've been on the Highland College Ministry staff for five years now, which is more than Drew. So I'll just go old ahead. Man. And, yeah, I'll go ahead and say that. He's old. Uh, yeah. So it's it's been an incredible journey. I started as like the small groups guy, and now I'm uh, really an, an associate college pastor, guys, mm-hmm. discipleship, um, MCC, TSTC coordinator right. guy. So, uh, that's what I do for Highland. It's super amazing. Absolutely love it. Uh, but I'm graduating from seminary in five weeks Let's go. Uh, from Fuller Theological Seminary. It's all online. So this COVID stuff has not affected us at all, all right. in terms of class load, but, um, so that's super exciting. Uh, but of course, after graduation, you want a job people are not hiring now. So the editors are still prayerfully considering what to do next, but we know that uh, Waco is a great place to stay and wait for the time being. And of course, uh, married, beautiful wife, Rebecca, and a little girl, Abigail. Abigail. She's nine and a half months old. Can you That's believe amazing. that? Nine that and a half crazy. months old. I can't old. believe it. That already yeah, she loves the syllables ba ah. and Ah, I mean, she just screams at she us all the time. Screams. It's amazing. Yeah, that's hilarious. But, uh, and you and Rebecca met in a CG. Is that correct? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we met in a CG freshman year. There's hope. Um, yeah, it's that's really amazing. the main reason people should go to. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Not, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> it might happen for you. you. Never know. Bad promo, but yeah. it could happen. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, you mentioned you're graduating, and I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of our college students are obviously there too. They're about to graduate from undergrad or maybe a graduate program, being called kind of to the next thing as you are after Highland College Ministry. So we wanted real quick at the very beginning just to let you know if if you're listening to this before Sunday, May the 3rd, we're going to have one last college connection on that Sunday, this Sunday upcoming, Sunday, May the 3rd. That college connection is going to be at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, and we're going to meet on Zoom because we can't meet in person. College connection is normally something that happens on Sunday mornings at the church, and it's around tables, and we have donuts, and we get in the Word, and mm. we have discussion, and it's a good family donuts, college man. moment. Yeah, exactly. But um, we haven't been able to meet, obviously, the last couple of months, but we are going to be meeting this Sunday virtually because it's going to be one last college connection. We're going to have a message from one of our seniors, Ben Calkins. We're going to yeah. have uh, some fun with the church fam. We're going to pray together, and we're also going to honor our seniors and people like you, Trey, who are heading out where this is going to be their last kind of uh, kind of hoorah with us at this one last college connection. So, <laughs> totally going to be emo. Exactly. It's going to be yeah. very, very sad. But we want you to be there. So this Sunday, 1 p.m., the way that you can get all the information for that is by texting Highland CM to 97,000. If you just send the text Highland CM to the number 97000, it'll give you all the login information you can uh, need. And that's going to be, remember, this Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time. So go ahead and send that text right now. Okay, so Trey, tell us about what our podcast conversation is going to be about today. Yes, this is uh, a great 
topic of mine, and it's going to be about apologetics. Uh, so that's what we're going to be chatting about today. And apologetics, for those of you who may not know, is really a fancy word for a defense of the faith. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I love that. And I, I hope, I mean, I think both of us, as we've been prepping for this, like our hope for this podcast in general, and I mean, honestly, for every episode is to like equip the listeners uh, with some tools in their sort of like faith tool belt, I guess, to, to help them grow in their faith. And this episode has potential to really dig deep and to strengthen a lot of our faith. Um, you know, but the thing about apologetics is it's this like huge, massive subject and I mean, honestly, we could probably do an entire, you know, series on apologetics and be here for yeah. like a hundred episodes, <laughs> you know, worth of, of, of stuff here. So what today, maybe Trey, you could tell us, what is our episode today going to be focusing on specifically? Yeah, exactly. So two questions we want to talk about today. And the first question is, does God or really a God exist? So any sort of higher being that's not human uh, and then the second question is, did the resurrection of Jesus actually happen? Awesome. So what's important about these two questions? Why is this so important for Christians? Yeah, well, one of the main reasons these two questions are important is because we need to see what evidence exists first. That's one thing that really is integral and a part of apologetics uh, and evidence of, you know, is there some sort of higher being out there that created really everything, you know, the earth and right. galaxies and all sorts of stuff. And of course, if there is a higher being, then which higher being is it? I mean, there are many religions who subscribe to some sort of a higher being. So first question helps us to see evidence uh, of there being a timeless, limitless, all-powerful, uh, greater being out there that started everything. Uh, but this isn't technically a question that can prove the Christian God, but right. it is a question to prove if there is something out there that we can consider God. Hmm. And then the second question about the resurrection is really important specifically to us as Christians, because uh, if we you know, ask the question, did Jesus rise from the dead? Well, that is the pinnacle of our faith. Right. Uh, and so if Jesus really did rise from the dead, then he must be God. Because uh, so, no man created could, could do that. I, I would mm. love to do that, right? But right. I can't. <laughs> yeah. And if he claimed to be God, which he did many times in Scripture, and predicted his death and resurrection, which he did many times in Scripture, and then it actually happened and he accomplished that resurrection, then that's decently good evidence for the Christian God, namely Jesus as the Son of God and also God himself being that higher being who created the universe. I love that you keep using that word um, evidence because it, it really is a lot like a court case when we're talking about this. You know, if, if we think about a courtroom, there isn't always like a hundred percent certainty on what happened, right. you know? And so it's like, it's like the job of, I guess the lawyers to present the evidence and then of the jury, or in some cases, the judge to make this decision based upon the most likely thing that happened right? based on the evidence. And it's not based on their feelings or, or what they hoped happened, but it's on the evidence that was presented. And so today, when we look at some of these things, these are just some of the evidences uh, that show a God, a God exists, uh, any sort of higher being. And then we're going to look at the evidence for why that was pro that is the Christian God. 
and and not some other religion's supposed God. So uh, something that I remember my pastor saying a long time ago uh, that I think might even be sort of a lineup for us here today is like someone could could be listening to this podcast today and in theory they could go from being an atheist to an agnostic like saying there is no god to there is some sort of a god <laughs> yeah and then the second question is going to be like they could go from being an agnostic to a christian you know going basically from like there's some sort of a god to there's a christian god and so that's awesome. sort of all in one episode what we hope happens here you know in a short amount of time and so we'll see <laughs> all in one episode oh, that's a great transition yeah i mean what we want the listeners you guys to do today is to look at or really listen to the evidence that we give and even go and looking out more for yourselves, but deciding for yourself, what is the most likely likely answer to these questions? What what does the evidence seem to suggest most likely happening? That's right. And, and one last thing before we get into this together, it, it's really important. Um, this conversation is really important because a lot of our listeners are like you and me, Trey. They, they grew up in the church, you know, for both of us, we grew up around Christianity. You know, we went to things like vacation Bible school and kids ministry. And I mean, you and I were pastor's kids. I mean, I grew up on VeggieTales. What more can you need? Okay. That's right. The VeggieTales was was the best. Still is the water Buffalo song is what most played Spotify for you still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My conversion story. Exactly. And like, I mean, all that's really good to like grow up in the faith, you know, being saved as a kid, it's super valuable because like we, we want to have this like full life with Jesus ahead of us, you know, on mission with him for God's kingdom. But, but if people like us aren't equipped to see like the evidence that exists to say that the God, you know, that you put your faith in when you went to vacation Bible school as a kid or right. when you went to camp or whatever else, like there's evidence to say that that God is really real. And if we don't know that, then we might come across like some really hard questions in our life from somebody one day. And, and for me, in my experience, the more that I've studied apologetics and some of these really hard questions, uh, this has tremendously strengthened my faith. And it, it's actually provided, you know, some, some real evidence to support what I already believe to be true. Those things that I learned when I was growing up, that God is real, that Jesus really did die on the cross for my sins and raise from the dead to give me new life. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you mentioned something that is really important, specifically when, it, when we talk about apologetics, because... I know, at least for me, when I first started getting into this, I I wanted to learn apologetics simply for the facts. And I knew and understood and read about a ton of facts, but what did it actually do to my faith? And so apologetics uh, really is, is understanding the facts, but in a way that strengthens your faith with Jesus Christ. And, and I think that's something for us to recognize because we don't just want to know about God. We want to know God and, and hopefully through this conversation and maybe through other conversations and then greater discipleship, we can strengthen ourselves and we can strengthen others truly to a greater relationship with Jesus. Because I mean, honestly, before college, I, I didn't really like to ask the question why, right? Uh, because it seemed taboo and and maybe even anti-Christian in a way, as if I was doubting what I was believing in. But but really asking the question why helps our our faith foundation uh, to dig deeper, uh, so that we can give a good argument, uh, especially when an argument against us, you know, we're not we're not shaken by that. Hmm. Shook but not shaken. Shook but not shaken. Here we are. Look at that. Yeah, I love that. Full circle. All right, so uh, I think we should get into the first question. Yeah, let's do it. Right. So the first question, as I mentioned, does God exist or any sort of eternal, infinite Creator? So yeah, probably I think maybe one of the most helpful places to start with this question 
is something called the cosmological argument. And um, in the show notes on in the episode notes on your podcast, you know, feed, we'll put some of these things on there. So you can, you know, Google those things if you can't remember. But this one's called the, <laughs> yeah, the cosmological. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You, you can take notes if you want, but we'll also put these in the <laughs> in those feeds there. But the cosmological argument, it's basically this idea uh, that goes something like this. It has two premise, uh, two premises. Premise uh, I. Yeah. And so uh, the first premise is everything that has a beginning has a cause. Everything that has a beginning has a cause. Okay. And then the second one is the universe had a beginning. And so then therefore the conclusion is that the universe had a cause. Right. So it's essentially saying that everything that begins must be caused by something. So if there's evidence for the universe having a starting point, right. then it must have been begun by something else. Right, exactly. And, th- and you say the word cosmological and all these other things. That's really scientific language. And I think right. it's important for us to say a couple things before we get a little bit too far is first science and faith are not enemies. That's right. I know that people in the science world say that they are, and even people in the faith world say that they Mm -hmm. are. Uh, but truly when you look at it and look at all the arguments, they're, they're not enemies. Uh, in fact, uh, even a lot of our famous scientists from history, uh, believed that either in the Christian God or some form of higher being like Aristotle and Galileo Mm. and Darwin and Isaac Newton and Albert Einstein. Actually, what's really cool is, uh, you know, the college ministry, we go to the UK, we can go into Westminster Abbey. Well, Isaac Newton is his, he has a, a tomb in Inside. Westminster Abbey, which is, Hey, how about that? We've been there. Uh, and then the second thing we need to talk about is it is possible to believe in things like the big bang and still be a Bible believing Christian. I want to say that again. It's impossible believe to believe in things like the big bang and still be a Bible believing Christian. Uh, and it is also possible to not believe in the big bang and still be a Christian. So just let's lay that out front That's good. so that we can uh, continue on without any sort of nasty emails. Exactly. Some people are going to be like, okay, I totally believe the Big Bang existed or others are going to say I don't. And that's not really the point of what we're talking about today. We are going to talk a little bit about the Big Bang here in yeah. a few minutes. But, you know, the main point that matters here is this, is that is there evidence to suggest that the universe has a beginning? Obviously, one of the most popular evidences for the beginning of the universe is the Big Bang. So we're going to do a little bit of discussion around that. But uh, because we already saw this before, this is why this question is so important, because everything that begins must have a cause that made it to begin. Uh, So either you've got two options, Uh, either the universe is eternal, you know, meaning that there was no starting point and there's therefore no ending point. Or the universe isn't eternal, and therefore something must have began it. And so, I mean, if we grew up in the church or if you've been around your Bible at all, you know, obviously we can look to the Bible and see that there's this creation account when the universe began, when everything that we know began in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and that's super important. But but what about outside the Bible? Like what what kind of evidence exists, you know, uh, that, that... that is scientific, for example, because we know that the Bible isn't meant to be a science textbook. It, sure. it, it's you know rich with all sorts of wisdom and knowledge and 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 conversations about our relationship with God and about right. the redemption of the world. But it's not a science textbook. So, what scientific evidence exists that might give us some idea? You know, if if the universe had a beginning and therefore it must have a cause. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So uh, 
so in, in fact, there, there is evidence to show that the universe had a beginning, not just in the Bible, right, outside of the Bible. And for purposes of this podcast, we're really going to quickly look at some of the scientific evidence for the Big Bang as the beginning of the universe. And there's a unique acronym that goes with it, SURGE, uh, S-U-R-G-E. And, and if you have any, anything wrong with what we're saying in the SURGE acronym or anything else, you can email us at john-durham <laughs> at highlandbc.org. That's right. right. Yeah, he would love to hear about this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, here's the deal, guys. Uh, as it relates to, you know, things like the SURGE acronym and the yeah. Big Bang, you know, evidence, the last, you know, class on physics that I took was in the 11th grade, and that was many, many semesters ago. Was that and 2008? I, yeah, it was 2008. That's right. And oh, good, whoa. good memory. Yeah. And uh, I was, so I was, uh, and I got a C. So I am no, you know, physicist. So and, you are on yeah, the ball here, right? Uh, the, this information comes from uh, a lot of different resources. And actually, at the end of this episode, we're going to mention some of those resources that if you want to go read those books or right. check out those YouTube pages or whatever else, cool. you can look at that yourself. But real quick, we're just going to fly through this idea of the surge acronym. Remember, these are evidences for the Big Bang being a reason that maybe the universe began this way. So some of these things are, it, it, it's an acronym, SURGE, S-U-R-G-E. The first one is the second law of thermodynamics. And essentially what this second law of thermodynamics is saying in layman's terms here is that the universe is sort of running out of energy. And I mean, this is sort of an incomplete way to understand this, but it's a simple way to understand it. It's, it's running out of energy, implying that a greater energy in the past existed and this lesser energy um, in the future exists, right? So it's it yeah. started bigger and it's getting smaller. And we can think about it sort of like uh, an illustration I've heard from some of these ap apologetics guys that I've listened to is sort of like a flashlight you know, that has a battery power that's like slowly running out, you know, your flashlight kind of starts to dim, right, you know, over exactly. the course of a night, you know, of course, yeah. here we're talking about, you and know, it's always when I'm camping. That's right. Always yeah. right when you need it, it starts yeah. to dim. And so the first one is that the second law of thermodynamics. So you can go look into that, you can research that. Yep. That's one of the evidences to say that the universe began at one point with a lot of energy, and it's slowly running out of energy towards some sort of an end point. So that's the first one, S. Right. Uh, Trey, give us you. Yeah, you, the universe is expanding. All right, so in, in 1929, Edwin Hubble, so the guy who had the Hubble telescope, came from his name, discovered that the galaxies were moving away from us, right? So the universe is constantly expanding and expanding into what? That's another great question, but we won't get there, right? Uh, so they're constantly expanding, moving away from us. And this implies that the beginning event of the universe uh, happened at one central point. Sorry, it's not the earth, I know That's right. that, you know, we might seem to think that, but, uh, it, it happened at one central point and it's expanding radially out. Awesome. And yeah, then, so that's you, that's you, that's yeah. you R. we're going to fly through these last three. R is, stands for radiation from this big bang event. So basically, you know, these scientists with their telescopes and with all of their data and the things that they can do, they can see that there's this radiation that exists that really only makes sense from some sort of a big event like the big bang. And so they use this as evidence to say that right. big bang existed. Right. Yeah. So the next one S or sorry, G, G yeah. <laughs> excuse me, G uh, is called galaxy seeds. Now, really quickly, what I'm talking about here, Galaxy Seed. So this guy whose last name is Snoot, so you can call him Snoot Seed. Say that five times fast, right? Uh, but he, he talked about that there are temperature ripples from the Big Bang uh, causing galaxies to form together. And, and really what that looks like is, is there's just a very high concentration of gravity 
and what that's doing is it's just pulling all of this matter together and in a sense creating galaxies and planets and so on and so forth uh, and those gravity seeds are what we're talking about here and so uh, if, if they're too big they implode on each other and if they're too little they can't form so they kind of have to be just right but galaxy seeds that's what those mean nice and then the last one is e which stands for einstein's theory of general relativity and that theory proved uh, that there was this definitive beginning to all time, space, and matter. And again, you can research that and learn more about it. But that SURGE acronym stands for the second law of thermodynamics, S, the universe is expanding, U, the radiation from the Big Bang, R, the galaxy seeds, G, and then Einstein's theory of general relativity is the E, SURGE. And you can look up all those things. We hope you'll look more into that. Yeah. And so kind of to summarize all of that, I know it's, I know it's a lot, it but uh, just a quick summary. So because the universe had a beginning, then there must have been an eternal cause to begin a non-eternal event. And that non-eternal event being the Big Bang and our creation and our existence. And truly it reminds me of kind of what Aristotle talked about uh, when he had this thought experiment about um, everything having a potential to move or to change. And there was always something changing uh, something else or holding something up and kind of like a pyramid, right? I'm, I'm going to call it the potential pyramid. Nice. And at the beginning of the, t or excuse me, at the, at the top of the pinnacle of the pyramid, I'm going to say the word P a lot, sorry. Um, <laughs> it, you know, there's the, the top and then there's a level underneath it holding that up, right? So it can't fall down. And then of course you keep going down, you keep going down, keep going down. And eventually there is a bottom level to the pyramid that's holding everything else, all the other levels above it up. And what Aristotle said is there had to have been something that put everything else into uh, actualization, as he called it. And, and he called it a self-actualized actualizer, something that basically had no beginning, has no end, and put everything into existence. Or he also called it the immovable mover. He, he put everything moving. He's the one, or excuse, not he, but that person, that mm. being, essentially got something that had to have been there. Uh, he got the ball rolling, right? right. So uh, even from Aristotle, there are people that, that said there, there had to have been an initial cause. Right. And that, I mean, basically it has to be that way because either we have two options, you know, either the universe is eternal, which we just talked about the whole surge thing and everything else, like, you know, that right. it doesn't, the evidence doesn't seem to suggest that the universe is eternal. Um, and, or, you know, there's this external force like you just talked about that's right. kind of like building it up. So uh, there's these two options here as well where it's like that people talk about a lot of times. Either nothing created something out of nothing or something created something out of nothing. So I'm going to say that again. Two options. Either nothing created something out of nothing or something, in this case someone, created something out of nothing. And so, right. you know, a question is like, which one is easier to believe that nothing would come from nothing or that, you know, nothing would come from someone, someone or something that right. created these things that we see around it. Right. Yeah. So, so again, there, there's a lot of scientific evidence out there that, that points to the big bang being the likely beginning event. Uh, but then we, we kind of need to ask what, is that con contradictory, excuse me, it's contradictory to what the Christians believe the Bible says? And, and really the answer is no, 
right? So we can see this in a couple different places. Uh, one of those being Colossians 1.16, and it says, In Jesus, all things were created in him and through him. And then in Genesis 1.1, and truly throughout the rest of the Genesis uh, the, gen 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 the Genesis narrative, there we go, uh, in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there was a beginning. That's right. And I mean, obviously someone might say, okay, guys, you know, but the big bang, you know, isn't in the Bible. You know, like if I look to Genesis 1 and 2, you know, they're, they're not going to talk about the big bang. Um, so, you know, there's sort of this pushback on on that. I don't see it there. You know, one thing I think to remember about Genesis one and two, which is where we learn a lot about the creation, um, is that it, it seems to be more poetic than it is scientific. Right. You know, um, you know, the purpose here is uh, of Genesis one and two, the purpose is more to show us who created and not how it created or, or how it was created. Right. right. Yeah. So it's more about the who than it is the how. And it, it kind of goes into this bigger conversation of like making sure you identify the literary genre of a text before you just like, you know, digest it. And so, because like, if you, if you look at these different, you know, parts of Genesis one, Genesis two, you know, at times they almost like kind of compete with each other in terms of like the creation story itself. Right. Uh, if you look to it in, in Genesis one, God is this like powerful God who creates, you know, by just speaking and it just goes out, yeah. you know, and then this, in Genesis two, you know, it's this, uh, it's basically kind of retelling the same story, but this time God's this relational God who partners with man, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the creation process of naming the animals and, and all these things. And the point is, is that God is the creator. However, that happened. That's what Genesis one and two is trying to tell us. And, and so for us, you know, as we look at all the logic and the evidence that we've talked about so far and that exists beyond just what we've talked about, you know, we believe that does line up with scripture because, you know, it, it is agreeing with what we just said that the universe had a beginning right. and therefore it had to have a cause. And of course, as Christians, we believe that cause was God. Right. Yeah. So, so basically what you're saying is that someone can believe this sort of scientific evidence and really, truly hold tightly to what they believe about in the Bible. Exactly. It yeah. doesn't have to compete, you know, and just real quick, as we wrap up this first question, you know, another evidence that I love for the existence of a higher power or, or a higher being that created the universe that started the universe is something called fine tuning. The fancy name for fine tuning is the anthropic principle. And again, we'll leave that in the show notes so you can go research it yourself, the anthropic principle. But the basic idea with fine tuning, it, this is just amazing, is that you can look at the universe from its largest scale of like the galaxies and the planets, you know, uh, all the way down to the smallest scale, all the way down to the way that our DNA is designed with the genes and all these different things. It's so pre precisely fine tuned that even the slightest change uh, would not have been able to support life, you know, or gravity or physics or chemistry, all these things, the universe as we know it would not exist if yeah, it wasn't fine tuned, you know, and just like some, some research I did a couple points here, uh, for life to exist, gravity has to be set at the exact right spot to the very inch. So, you know, an illustration you might see is like, if you put a ruler stretching across the entire universe, the entire known universe is a ruler. And if gravity was set one inch, one direction off, like if it was one inch off one direction, everything would explode. But if it goes one inch the other way, everything would implode. I mean, down to the very inch, when you think about the size and scale of the universe down to the very inch, like that's how precise it had to be. That's on the big side of things. Think about the small side of things like your DNA. The DNA in our body is a, is a three 
billion code combination in every single strand of DNA. And if one of those three billion codes, just one of them is off, life is threatened. Yeah. And so this isn't just about, you know, life existing. Also, like it's if the universe wasn't this fine tuned, it would be every level. Chemistry wouldn't exist. I mean, the basic building blocks, the periodic table, like wouldn't even be able to exist. And there was this mathematical physicist named Roger Penrose who claimed that in order to produce a universe that even roughly looked like ours and was capable of sustaining life, uh, and its its initial conditions must have been fine tuned with the precision of one to the tenth power uh, to the tenth power to the hundred and twenty third power. Okay, so you remember in math class you'd have like the ten and then you have the little ten above it, little right? 10, yep. This has a ten, a little ten, and then and a little one twenty three. Yeah. So, so the little ten has another another one, number, yeah, which is huge, right? And so and this guy said that arguably that would be the largest number ever conceived. And to write it down, it would he said it would take all the atoms in the universe uh, would not be enough to write that number down in full. Like that is how giant ten to the tenth power to the hundred twenty third power is. Okay, and. and so, I mean, that is just crazy to think that it was that precisely fine-tuned. Yeah, so it sounds like if you don't have anything to do during this, you know, COVID-19 quarantine, <laughs> exactly. try to write down Good 10 luck. to the 10th power to the 123rd power. That's right. And then just, you know, shoot it to us on Instagram. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, let or us shout know you out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so what we're saying... <laughs> Okay, back on track. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. So what we're saying is, is that uh, basically the idea that this could have all just happened randomly isn't possible. Right. Uh, even if the universe was eternal, even though the evidence doesn't show that, and there was no higher being that created the universe, and that the odds of this supposed eternal universe being able to perfectly and randomly create a universe like ours that could sustain life sustain life is basically impossible right yeah and and i heard it put one way that if you if you had like a, a paper bag and you were to put all of the most intricate parts of like a beautiful swiss watch you know something that could go for $10,000 on whatever and you shook it for as long as you could shake it and then you opened it up and expected it to be fully assembled you would think that to be impossible mm -hmm. right but that's what that's what uh the argument is that everything just happened right i mean that's it's just it's just so impossible to even conceive hmm. and yeah and that's just i mean it'd just be like too fine-tuned to be random yeah so like we said what what's more likely what what is the evidence showing us here and and of course we're, we're just scratching the surface on this stuff i mean there are so much more things to research sure. and look up and I'm sure if you look at the course uh, excuse me the the podcast episode notes you'll be able to just go through pages of this stuff but that's right yeah yeah so there you go uh, the cosmological argument and the anthropic principle hopefully have now convinced you uh, to, to stop being an atheist and now you're an agnostic, right? So you've, you've moved, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've moved from there is no God to there is some God. And so uh, that is going to be the conclusion of part one of our episode, all oh, right? So on, that means you're going to have to wait for next week for part two, where we're going to answer this second question of does the Christian God exist, specifically looking at the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So make sure you stay connected to us. I'm excited. Exactly. And we'll, uh, we'll be here next week with part two. Well, that's all we have time for today on our 
part one of this two-part series that ran for our podcast. The second part is going to come this upcoming Monday, Monday, May the 4th. So check out your podcast feed that day. We can't wait for the second half of this conversation. We want to give you a few recommendations before you leave, though. One of them is a book by a guy named Frank Turek. That's T-U-R-E-K. Frank Turek wrote a book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. It is an amazing resource talking about things like this. Very easy to understand and read. He lays it out so well. If you're not a reader, Frank has an incredible ministry online. He has tons of great YouTube videos. So you can search his name, Frank Turek, or you can look at his website. It's called crossexamined.org. Crossexamined.org or crossexamined on YouTube. Either of those things you can check out. Tons of great stuff on there. You can also check out a book called Mere Christianity by a guy named C.S. Lewis. He's a very famous Christian from the 20th century. Incredible book. Very helpful on a lot of these subjects. That's Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And the last thing is a book called The Language of God by a scientist named Francis Collins. This is a book that talks a lot about what we were mentioning when we were talking about the fine-tuning, especially of our DNA. Francis Collins is one of the country's leading geneticists, and he's the longtime head of this thing called the Human Genome Project. This is a very, very smart man who is a believer and a Christian and does a great job in this book called The Language of God, explaining how science and faith can go together and can build your faith. I want to highly encourage you to check out one of these things, if not all of them. And as always, we want to wrap up our podcast by reminding you of the words from Hebrews chapter 12, which say, you may be shook, but you cannot be shaken. Love you guys. See you on Monday for part two.